0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, November 27th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. When public sector unions negotiate over pay and accountability, the public is often left to wonder, what's going on in that room? Jason Mercier is director of the Center for Government Reform at the Washington Policy Center. He says when accountability is on the table for public employees, that accountability is just another bargaining chip. States receive tax revenue states allocate tax revenue, uh, but when they need to hire a workforce, there are complications uh, for particular workforces that sort of leaves the public out, and that's collective bargaining. So what does that look like uh, when
1: cities uh, negotiate with a teacher's group or police? Yeah, that really depends upon where you are in the country, because half of the country provides the same type of transparency for these public employee contracts at the state and local level that every other part of the budget receives. And If you think about whether you're at the state level or the local level, um, almost the entire budget process, you have public hearings, the public can come in and observe, offer comment, with one exception in states like Washington, where we don't have a lot of transparency And that is in the contract negotiations. And if you think about it, especially at the local level, employee contracts are one of if not the largest cost driver in your municipal budget. And if you're taking that entire process out of the public, doing it behind closed doors and just giving your city council a take it or leave it option, that doesn't allow a lot of opportunity for feedback, comments or other alternatives. And in most uh, cities uh, dealing
0: with police forces and uh, teachers, the the funding mechanism is overwhelmingly local.
1: Yeah, whether it's on your, your property tax primarily will be driving your funding for that. And, you know, obviously there's a concern for taxpayers. There's a concern for accountability to make sure you don't have any backroom deals going on. Unfortunately, with what we've experienced nationally here in the last couple of years on, on some of the, the troubling developments on police forces and even some uh, misbehaving teachers, the other thing that happens is the accountability professions. How does the, the disciplinary action work and dismissal? All of that is subject to those contract negotiations. And unfortunately, what we've seen happen in the city of Seattle, which has actually been under a federal consent decree since before 2016, before the Obama administration, is they were negotiating away the accountability provisions for pay raises or other things, which made it really hard then to hold bad actors accountable. And it got to the situation where Obama's Justice Department back in 2016 actually told the judge, there, we got to have transparency. We've got to know what they're doing because by the time these contracts come for approval, they've, they've gutted them as far as the ability to be accountable. And so for
0: accountability uh, both for teachers and for police, and it's, it seems to probably be a little more clear cut in the in the police context of what accountability ought to look like. All of that is typically on the table. Like all of all of those accountability measures are rolled into that uh, contract.
1: It really is going to depend upon your state uh, statutory scheme as far as they handle decertification, how they handle transfers and dismissal. But for the most part. At least until recently when you've seen a lot of these police reform bills working their way through the states, that was subject to negotiation. How you you know, it's it's a what they consider a mandatory subject of bargaining as far as how you discipline and and do grievances. And unfortunately what you've seen happen all too often for law enforcement and and, and for teachers as well, is bad actors will just get shuffled to a new precinct or a new school district, and sometimes those new employee employers don't know about it. Because of that secrecy in, in the disciplinary. Okay, so
0: what should that transparency then look like? Because I can understand if if I'm both a city official and I am the representative of the FOP or uh, teachers union, I would like to get all these details hammered out without having to worry about the public sticking their noses and stuff they don't know anything
1: about. Well, there are a whole host of ways you can approach this. In our opinion at the Policy Center and at Better Cities, the, the more transparency, the better. Now, if you think about a lot of states have open meetings laws, and these open meeting laws are very expansive. And in fact, in Washington, ours says that the public does not give the government the right to decide what we should know. We get to decide what is relevant to the public debate. So ideally, and this is not to say that transparency means the public is an active participant, because that would be just a fiasco, especially if you look at what's happening right now in some of these school board meetings, city council meetings with, with some of what's happening with COVID. But ideally, you should be able to at least sit in the room, see what offers are exchanging hands, both from a standpoint of being able to do fiscal scoring, but to make sure that accountability is not being pushed to the side. Worst case scenario, if for some reason saying that you can't have the public or the press in the room, at least posting anything that exchanges hands so you can see how the offers are are changing or what's being negotiated. And if you think about it, what do we often hear when there's a school district strike? The teachers say, the school board doesn't respect us. And the school board says, the teachers are trying to bankrupt us. And you've got protests, you've got pickets, but nobody actually knows what is on the table being offered. Just simply posting that with fiscal scoring. And this that actually that the city of Costa Mesa does in California, it's called COIN, Civic Openness and Negotiations. They don't have the open meetings, but any offer or counteroffer that changes hands is publicly posted with fiscal scoring. So you at least can see what's on the table and what's it mean to the bottom line. Where have we seen
0: more egregious examples of cities and negotiating with unions, typically the representatives of the unions that are representing the, the workforce in those areas? What, what's what been most egregious in those kinds of negotiations?
1: What's been pushed aside? Well, again, the, the city of Seattle police negotiations come up because they, they did there again, on, on, being on the federal consent decree means a federal judge is looking over what those final contracts are. And he has been so beside himself, both from a standpoint of, if you remember, Seattle last summer was going to, let's defund our police. And they just like, well, you know, if you do this, you, you kind of make it impossible for the police then to meet their accountability requirements. Because there's so few on the force, So he kind of slapped down the city for this, for trying to to cut the legs out from underneath the officers to begin with, while at the same time telling the officers, you've been negotiating away some of the abilities for this independent police authority to have actual some teeth in how they administer the disciplinary actions. Beyond the accountability of what we've seen at the state level in the state of Washington, and this is kind of a new thing. This used to not always be this way, because every part of the budget used to be public and the public employees would come to the legislature and testify. But, uh, about a decade ago, the legislature decided we're going to give the governor the sole authority to negotiate with the public employee unions behind closed doors and whatever they agree to, that's it. We can't change it. And you've seen some double digit pay raises coming out of that, that then pressure tax increases when it comes time to write the budget. It's weird because for state legislatures, What that practically means is they're signing away the power of the purse to the governor. Again, realizing how much of a cost driver compensation is. And that's not to say that state employees and local employees and police officers, firefighters, and teachers should not be fairly compensated for their work. But things come with trade-offs and perhaps you could realize, well, we could give a a higher pay raise maybe if we did more competitive contracting on non-essential services, right? These are conversations that might come up if you had a public legislative process the way that most budgets are built. But if you're just telling a, a legislature or a city council or a school board, here's what we negotiated and you can't change it, what's the point of that representative government if we can't have those elected officials making decisions? So posting details
0: of discussions on an ongoing basis online is helpful, allowing the public to sit in the room while these negotiations are going on is helpful. How does that actually change the outcomes?
1: Well, I mentioned you've got half of the country operating under some form of this, and and we can look in our neighbors are going to be in Washington, Idaho is just across the, the border there. And they do all of these public negotiations and you have seen the ability for them to, from the fiscal side, knock down unreasonable demands, still fairly compensate the employees, but you don't get double-digit type of increases. We had a situation a few years ago in Washington uh, when pre-COVID when budgets were really flush, even though things have kind of recovered pretty nicely right now, where the union ones were demanding a 20% pay raise. Well, nobody knew this. They were out there protesting and striking across the state saying the governor was disrespecting them because the governor was only offering a 10% pay raise. But none of that particular information was known. None of it was public. And think about not only for the the public, but the benefit to the members. Members, unless you're on that union team, you don't know what's being exchanged. I sign up for all of the union com- member updates. And all I see is the governor doesn't respect you. The school board doesn't respect you. It's time to call them and protest, but no details about what's being offered or provided. Jason
0: Mercier is with the Washington Policy Center. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.